All right, one thing that I promised I would give you is five conversations to have with God before you give money to a church. And I've only given three of those, and we had a couple breaks the last couple weeks. So I've got to give you what I promised. We've looked at uh, giving as worship, giving as obedience, giving as formation. Today, I want to challenge you with giving as participation in the community. So here's a question that you should ask God before you give to a church. How is God calling you to participate in this community? Uh, what does it mean? If you've been around church for any time and you've heard some sort of teaching on giving, you've probably heard of the word tithe or tithing. Um, that's an Old Testament word in the Bible, and it was used to label the part of what you've earned and what you've grown that belongs to God. And so God had very specific commands about what you're supposed to do with the part that you've earned that actually belongs to him. It says this in Deuteronomy. It says this in Deuteronomy. Good. Nope, I hit it twice. That was me. Oh no, now you're doing it in the back. We'll get this. Um, if you get our speed readers, you'll be able to read it. All right, Deuteronomy 26, 12 says, When you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. The tithe that was God's portion of what you had was meant to be reinvested back in the community. And it was supposed to be uh, for welfare and for building up the community. The portion of your gifts going to God was very much a declaration that you are a part of the community and you are here to build it up. Um, so translated to today, ask this question, um, how does God or how is God calling you to be, got it on, how is God calling you to participate in this community, knowing that our monetary gifts are just one way that we can participate, care for each other, and build up the community that we have together? All right, that's that. Now we get to move on. You get to notice there's a new background uh, because we're starting a brand new series. Uh, we're going into a new passage. We've wrapped up Colossians, um, and now we're going somewhere else. Um, I don't know if this is you, but this is certainly me. One of the biggest frustrations about our relationship with Jesus is the fact that it doesn't feel quite like a relationship. I don't know if anyone's ever shared this with you or if you've experienced it yourself where you said, I just wish that I could like walk with Jesus like I do a friend, right? Or talk with Jesus like I do my significant other. You know, it's just, it just feels so distant and I have to communicate with him through a book and, and I, I just wish I could spend like a day with him. Like what if there's a contest? It's like win a day with Jesus, Right. And then you won, right? So you get to fly to wherever Jesus is going. You wake up, he's down there eating breakfast and you're, hey, how was your sleep? Uh, you know, I make small talk about the weather or something. They're like, what are we gonna do today? You know, and you're following him around as he's doing everything. You're asking him all these questions. He's able to give responses. You're sharing, well, here's Jesus. I got a couple, you know, I've been working through these things in my life. What do you think? You know, you're getting this advice. Like how awesome would that be, right? And then, all right, time to pack up. Your day, your day with Jesus is done. Off we go. Uh, we're going to be in this new series, we're going to be talking about Jesus with his disciples, in particular, the very last evening he shared with them. Uh, we're in John chapter 13 and chapter 14, where Jesus is breaking the news to them, the reality that uh, they won't get to always be with him. They won't always get to talk with him or watch him as he works. In fact, he's going to be going away, he said, and, and he, he provides some teaching, some comfort, some preparation for them so that they can know how to operate in the world that we're used to, <laughs> where now we're communicating with him through his Holy Spirit, through his text, through his word. And in particular, there's five questions that five different disciples ask Jesus during this meal. And those are the five weeks of the series that we're going to break down 
this passage. And the questions they're asking of Jesus is they're trying to figure out, well, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing, Jesus? How is this going to work? And those questions are very much similar questions that we wrestle with, you know, when we're trying to understand how is this relationship supposed to work with Jesus? So this Sunday, we're going to be uh, looking at Peter's question right at the very beginning of the evening uh, when Jesus does something unexpected and begins to wash their feet. So we're going to be in John chapter 13. We're going to read the first 17 verses, and then we'll go through and focus really in on what Peter's saying. So we'll have it up on the screen. Uh, feel free to grab it in your app or a Bible or just listen. John 13, verse 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put, his put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So this is the passage we're going to be sitting in today. And like always, uh, spend more time in this passage. We can only, I mean, I, they only give me a certain amount of time here to even talk about this. There's so much. This is, this is rich. We're going to focus in on Peter's question, that first question when he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? What was going through his mind? What, what prompted him to speak up and say something when Jesus is washing his feet? Uh, John sets the scene uh, in verse 3 before it talks about Jesus getting up and washing. It says this, uh, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Uh, this is who Jesus is. This is the introduction we get in this story. Uh, we're going to do a thought experiment. What if this was all we knew about Jesus? Right? So imagine you're reading a book or imagine you're watching some secular blockbuster movie. Uh, I cleared it with the elders. It's okay to think about secular movies because it's just for an illustration purpose. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Some of you are like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, you weren't. Um, all we know is Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. If this is the snapshot we get, you think of like, okay, so this is some divinely appointed 
kind of like superhero, right? You know, that's supposed to have some task here and they've come from God, they're going back to God and all things under their power. So super powerful, right? So my mind just goes to, you know, Marvel Universe, DC Universe, you know, it's like right up there with Thor and Superman, Batman and Captain America. It's like, yeah, but, but this one's the special one, right? This is one where the all-powerful God, Father, gives all things under their power and, and there's going to be some sort of massive showdown, right, with the, the bad guy at the end. And we know, right, like this is the night before he, he takes on death, right? Tammy was talking about it, right, when we're worshiping, where like he's going to face death and defeat death when, when they meet eye to eye the next day. So it's like, okay, in, in the movie, when you have the all-powerful demigod coming, you know, with, with everything under him, and then there's going to be this massive showdown with the villain, what happens that night before? Well, it's going to be uh, preparation. There's going to be focus, um, perhaps there's going to be, like, if, if he's with his friends, you know, they're going to be helping him. They're going to be uh, telling him what, what, what he means to them, you know, or how all the hopes of the, of the world are resting on his shoulders. And yet, John just kind of nonchalantly goes into, therefore, here, here's what happens, right? So Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not it. That's not the script. You aren't supposed to do that, right? Like that, that is out of place. You're not supposed to serve that. You've got 12 friends around you. They're supposed to be pampering you and giving you whatever you need in order in preparation for this massive struggle you're going to have tomorrow, what you're going through, right? Like, why are you, like, you're, you're messing up the script, right? No, you're, you're the all-powerful one. They're the, they're the disciples. They're the followers. You know, because washing feet was a normal part of the culture when you'd go eat dinner. Uh, when, when you'd eat, it'd be at like a lower table and you'd be lounging on, on pillows. And even as Jesus said, you could bathe in the morning, but when you walk everywhere on dirty, dusty roads, your feet would get uh, dirty, you know? And so as you're sitting next to each other, you know, and like your feet might be coming, Ugh, you know, like, okay, well, it'd be, it was hospitable, right? For, for the, uh, the host to prepare uh, or plan or figure out some way to wash the guest's feet. And this was normally a servant's job. Uh, in fact, there's a Jewish tradition that said it couldn't even be a Jewish servant that washed feet. It, it had to be a Gentile servant because even the Jews were specially honored. And this was washing feet, which was very low. Uh, there's another source uh, of a love story uh, between a man and a wife where the, the wife um, wants to wash her husband's feet when he comes back from a journey. And the husband says, no, 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 that's, that's too far below you. That'd be too demeaning for you. But the wife says, I don't want anyone else to wash your feet but me. And so it's this deep devotion, this love of the wife to her husband. And so you think, okay, if someone's going to be washing the feet, uh, perhaps it would be the disciples to Jesus. If you're reading the chapter before John 13 and John 12, Jesus has his feet washed by Mary with perfume in her hair, and he receives it as this incredible loving gesture, this honor of devotion from Mary to Jesus. But here with the, the 13, uh, you know, 12 disciples plus Jesus, you know, they're walking in. I, just imagine you're Peter, right? You're walking in and you're kind of like, uh, so no one's, okay, so we're not going to do the feet washing thing. Okay, I guess we'll just sit down. It says the meal was in progress, right? So it's like the opportunity had passed when one of the disciples could have said, well, here, I will wash your feet, Jesus, in a gesture of my devotion for you, my love for you. You know, like, like I don't know what's going on, but I, I just want to let you know I'm committed to you, right? But that, that window's closed, right? The meal's already started. Everyone's just like, all right, I guess we're just going to eat dirty, you know? And then, and then Jesus gets up 
And, and, and you just think, Peter's like, oh, no, 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 no. Not you. I mean, it should have been one of us. It should have been me. I should, like, why? You can't do it. Like, we should, ah, oh, I never thought that I was supposed to wash yours. And now here, Jesus is coming. You know, and then, and then he, you don't know when, when Peter was in the line, if he was first or last. It just says, when he got to Simon Peter, then he asks him, Lord, are you, are you going to wash my feet? Like, I'm uncomfortable with this, right? Like, like I know who you are, Jesus, right? Like, like you are great, you're far greater, you know, than anything. You're holy, you're perfect. You know, I'm the one that, that, that's dirty. You know, I'm the disciple, I'm the follower. I should be devoted to you. It doesn't make sense for you to demonstrate your undying devotion to me. And that's what he has here. And then there's this exchange between uh, Jesus and Peter where uh, Jesus answers him, but also kind of doesn't quite clarify or help him understand, right? You know, because Jesus, his response to this question is, um, if I can hit this once, we'll do it. You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand, right? So Jesus is like, uh, it's Peter, Peter's like, whoa, 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 like this isn't right. Like we can't do this. And Jesus says, no, no, you're thinking about it one way. I'm thinking about another. Trust me on this. You know, and Peter's like, no, I'm, I'm thinking about it the only way that it is. Like, this isn't happening, right? He said, no, you shall never wash my feet. And so then Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, and now what Jesus is saying is, no, this foot washing is not just foot washing, right? Like, it's not just a matter of like, uh, my humiliation, right? Or me being lower or me incorrectly honoring yourself. There's something bigger going on here. Like the, the option is not just to have dirty feet for dinner, right? And so Peter's kind of like, I still don't get it. But if that's the case, and this is really important, well then wash all of me, right? You know, he says, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. But then Jesus kind of backtracks a bit. He says, those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. You know, Jesus is saying it's really important that you wash your feet. In fact, you have no part in me unless you, unless you do this or you accept this from me. But at the same time, well, it's not that important, you know, because you're already clean otherwise. And he's not just talking physically, right? The illustration is physically about the, the, the body. He's talking spiritually. He says, and you are clean, though not every one of you. And he says, because Judas Iscariot is going to be betraying Jesus later. You know, so, so in some way, Jesus is saying this foot washing has to be done unless you're not a part of me. But, but it's not cleansing in the way that his death will be, right? This isn't taking care of your sins in order to be here. And so we're kind of left this like, so what was this? Like, what, what was he doing when he's washing his feet? Like, what, why this gesture? Why tell Peter, you have no part in me unless you accept this? You know, what, what's the purpose of going through here? Here's what it is. What Jesus is doing when he's washing, he's washing the feet of his disciples is he is loving them. It is an expression of his love. That's what John wanted us to know. This is how the whole section starts. It says, sorry, I'm jumpy today or something. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then let me tell you the story of how he did that. And then comes the washing of the feet. And so when we get to Simon Peter and he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? It wasn't just a matter of getting him cleansed. It was a matter of accepting God's love for him. Like imagine this. Imagine you work for a company, large, large organization, you know, multi-million dollar. And, and, and the managers, the, the vice presidents, they have an idea that we'll do an employee appreciation party. 
you know, and so on a Friday night, they say, come back in, you know, or stay late, bring your family, we'll cater everything. There's little catering stations all over. There's little like silly games that you can do. There's little raffles and prizes they're giving out. There's a little short award ceremony. Uh, but your manager pulls your team together and says, hey, I, I just really appreciate everything that you guys have done. So I've done something a little bit extra and special. Um, I went ahead and bought two massage tables and put them in our break room. Um, you guys can head back there and get a free massage. In fact, how about follow, follow me, all of us will come in and you get there and you're like, oh, cool. One of the masseuses is coming. Oh, actually, uh, I'm going to give you a massage. Um, so just line up and then feel free, wear your shirt, take it off, whatever you're comfortable with. And then we'll just kind of do this as an expression of my thanks to you. Like, what would you say? You'd be like, oh, you know, I really have to go to the bathroom. I'll be back never, you know, and then like off you go. Like that would be awkward, right? Why would it be awkward? Because the only people I want touching my body is someone who's being paid for it that I have no clue who it is, right? Like that's their job or a significant other, right? Where I can be vulnerable. Like a manager is like, whoa, like that's creepy. You know, like, I mean, like that's not, that's not even like touching. Like there's no, I would not feel loved or appreciated at all, right? Like you'd just be like, what a terrible idea, you know? And you know, can you imagine just looking at each other like, there's no way we're doing this. No way we're doing this. It's such an intimate expression of a relationship, right? To provide a massage or to touch someone else. And I wonder if Peter was feeling any of that, right? You know, it's like, whoa, foot washing. I mean, yeah, if it's a servant and this is their job, I can allow it. If it's a significant other expressing devotion, yeah, I can allow it. But Jesus, hold on. Our relationship isn't there. You know, like, this is Peter, who left his entire job to follow Jesus. We cannot question his dedication to Jesus. Later this evening, he's going to say, I would die for you, Jesus. Like Peter is in all the way. I am following you. I respect you. You are my master, my king. I'll go wherever you go. But we're not on that level. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to mix this like intimate relationship, you know, kind of like, like a work relationship, professional relationship, that's different. I think in Peter's head, there's this discipleship relationship. You're my master, you're Lord, you're teacher. And Jesus is saying, yeah, no, I am. No, absolutely. Like the issue here isn't whether this is appropriate or not. What Jesus is telling Simon Peter is you have to accept my love, my unconditional love, right? And I think if we're being honest, we feel this. We're all here. You know, like at some point in our life where we say, I can worship God, I can sing about his glory and I can praise him. That feels right. That feels appropriate. You know, and he is, he's amazing and I'm just regular. I'm dirty, you know, and I'm not, not, not clean. I get that. I recognize that, but it's not for him to clean me, right? You know, or like I can't allow him to express his devotion to me. That's backwards. I'm supposed to be devoted to him. And Jesus is telling Peter, no, 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 no. Look, even if you don't understand, I need you to accept my love. This is what Jesus is asking all of us. Accept Jesus' unconditional love unconditionally. Where you don't, you don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It feels wrong. Why, why should this great God be a servant to us? Why, he would honor us far too greatly than we actually are. Like it, it, would, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't make truth of who we are. And yet this is what Jesus is saying. No, unless... I do this. You have no part in me, he told Peter. Like, if we ever struggle with viewing God's love for us or feeling like Jesus loves us, just read John 13, 6. And, and that same question of Peter, are you going to wash my feet? 
I know you don't understand it. But you will, no, you'll never, you'll never watch. No, no, if, if I don't do this, you have no part in me. Jesus is offering his unconditional love to you. And no, it doesn't make sense. This doesn't lower him. This doesn't raise up, us up. No, he's still perfect and holy and, and we just aren't. And we're dirty. And look, he washed Judas's feet. I mean, people make that point all the time. Like, it didn't matter how dirty they were or if they ever would become clean, if they ever would accept. Jesus loved them to the end. We have to hear that. Jesus loves us deeply, intimately, devotedly, in ways that we feel like, yeah, you're not supposed to, Jesus. He does. That, that's, and that's step one, right? Like, here it is. He knows he's going to be leaving God, or he's leaving to go back with God, leaving them. And so he has this meal, and it says it's already in the back of his head. That's what John's saying, right? Like in verse two there. And so how, how do I prepare them? How do I help them know what it's going to be? Step one is I will love them with a devoted, intimate love. That's the first step. We have to get this right before we start jumping on to what, what should my life look like? How much money should I give to the church? How should I participate in community? All these things. No, no, no. Step one is you have to let yourself have your feet washed by Jesus. That's where he starts. Like what would a faith look like that didn't accept God's unconditional love? Right? That doubted it. That said, ah, no thanks. You know, like, I, it's out of respect for you. I don't want you to be humiliated. I don't want you to be demeaned. I don't want myself to be honored too high. Respectfully, I decline, right? Like, what if Peter went forward with that? What does your faith look like? Well, it, I mean, any relationship where you doubt the love of the partner, you're, you're further apart, right? I mean, you hold back. You're not leaning with everything that you have. You know, you're kind of more, well, we'll just kind of stay in this track and not be connected together. You know, your faith will begin to look more like, tasks, right? It looks more like a corporation where you're working for God. You're on the best behavior in order to, you know, forward his means and help his bottom line and help his purposes and will in the world, whatever he's doing. Uh, there's not a relationship, so it's kind of more uh, emotionless good behavior, you know, or you're finding your security in, in having the right answers, right? Gaining knowledge or making sure that you're walking the right steps or having the right applications, you know, at the end of the sermon when we discuss, like, well, I know how to do all this, you know, but if that, if that sounds like your faith, that's what you're living, your relationship with Jesus looks like that, feels like that, well, maybe you haven't accepted his unconditional love unconditionally and said, okay, I, I don't get it. I don't know if I deserve it, but I'll take it wherever it goes. That's step one. But that's not the only application he has for this meal either. You know, at the end, uh, it says when he had finished washing, I think I got it up here. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. I mean, can you imagine? They're all like, eh, no, <laughs> you know, like, no, this is weird, God, you know, or Jesus. I suppose they probably called him Jesus at this point. You know, it's like, what, what happened? He doesn't wait for their response. He just tells them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, right? Like I, I, I am up here, like I am special. <laughs> it's right for you to call me these things for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What Jesus wants the disciples to know after they've accepted his love is that you're supposed to do this going forward. And he doesn't say you're supposed to be humble like I am. You're supposed to elevate others like I am. You're supposed to be willing to you know, get on your knees and serve in ways that you don't want to. He says you're supposed to wash one another's feet. You know, like the specific act 
is what he said. He didn't just say like, hey, you know how some passages we read about Jesus and then we kind of infer, oh, we're supposed to be like him. This is when he talked directly to his disciples and he says, you also should wash one another's feet, right? Like verse 15, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. How do we obey this? Well, here's how we don't obey it. We're not gonna wash each other's feet, probably thankfully, right? Later on in this evening, he says, do these things in remembrance of me, referring to communion, which has become a standard practice for Christian churches throughout history and throughout the world. What about foot washing, right? Like, I mean, so, some traditions have, and they've made foot washing a part of the meal, the, the shared communion meal that we have together. We also wash one another's feet out of obedience because there's something to be said here. Um, I mean, we don't. So, so the onus is on me, but then I'll, I'll flip it on you guys later in the, in the discussion time that we have. How do we wash one another's feet? What does that look like? Obviously, we wear shoes and socks and we don't walk on dirt roads to get places. So perhaps the physical need isn't there. But what does it look like for us to devotedly love one another in ways that perhaps humiliate us and really honor others higher than they perhaps should be honored? Like that, that's what Jesus did. What does that look like for us? Um, if you, well, I, I gotta go to the end. Well, don't worry, we'll come back to it. You're not gonna miss anything. You're not gonna miss anything. I was reminded this week uh, that it's easy for us to, fig, to feel like if I can just solve that problem, if I can just have that answer and then we add something, incorporate it to our service, then we're doing the right thing and then we're on the right path. Uh, you, the, the answer is not where the, the payout is. This, is. this is where Jesus left his disciples. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. <laughs> not just if you know them, right? The blessing is in the doing, not in the knowing. Um, this was a great reminder uh, for me that we can study the word as much as we want. We can get all the right answers as much as we want, but the blessing's in the doing, not in the knowing. So may our discussion, may our reflection, may our participation in God's love not just lead to further knowledge, but further action. That's the inline that Jesus sets before us. So we're supposed to love each other in sacrificial ways, in humiliating ways, in devoted ways, and lift each other up, um, not considering ourselves or our own honor as something to prevent us from doing anything. After all, this is what Jesus did. Uh, but if you're like me, you'll run off to that and be like, cool, I'm doing it. Uh, remember step one. Step one, Jesus did not start the evening by saying, here's what you have to do, right? He didn't break it down like that. He just quietly took on the role of a servant and washed their feet, demonstrated his deep, devoted love. If we ever want to fulfill our mission, live God's love beyond ourselves so that Casserock can know his love, we first have to get our feet washed. We can't reject it. We have to receive and accept his unconditional love unconditionally. And only then will our love and our attempts to serve others in our community or even others within our church only then will it reflect our God's love for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, oh, we thank you. Um, you are <laughs> good. You're powerful. You're our teacher. You're our Lord. We submit to you. We are committed to you, Lord. Uh, we trust in you. <sighs> Help us accept your love. Um, even if it doesn't make sense, even if we feel like we're too small, we're too unworthy, we're too dirty, you're too good, you're too glorious, you're too perfect, you're too busy. Lord, 
thank you for this story and thank you for your reminder that you actually deeply, intimately, devotedly love us. May we accept that in trust, in faith, without knowing all the answers. May you fill our lives with your love and may we allow that to transform us. Uh, Thank you for Peter. Thank you for the questions that he asks here and thank you for your pushing him through them (laughs) uh, and showing him that there is something there that, that we need to receive as well, not just him. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, You guys may be seated. I want to give you guys a little bit of time to discuss the sermon questions, but I also want to ask if anyone wants to, for the process this one-on-one, or talk more about how to accept God's unconditional love, we'll have a few of the prayer team members um, and elders up here um, available if you'd like to just talk one-on-one as opposed to discussion. We'll take about seven minutes How do you know God loves you? Share some of the stories. How do you struggle to accept God's love? And then lastly is a question I teased in the sermon. How should we wash each other's feet today? How do we obey Jesus' command to his disciples in our current context? All right, let's pray one more time, and then I'll give you guys a chance uh, to talk about these. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love. I pray that we would come to know it further and more, and I pray that you would work in our hearts, even right now, even this morning, Uh, for things that we haven't shared or that we won't share, Lord, I pray that you would be present in your spirit, uh, drawing us to you and helping us understand uh, what it means to accept your love and where you want to take us after that. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.